following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. actually should have started rolling like five minutes Probably. ago. <laughs> we just said everything that we're going to start talking about here at the beginning of the intentional foul. Welcome. Um, my last episode before the holiday uh, heading to Minnesota, unless you want to have me on by cell phone. I'm not even sure that I could get good reception up there, but uh, regardless, uh, we can call this the, the pre-Christmas edition. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, you have found us again. And we have a lot to talk about, as per usual, including a return of the top five. Dan has five. I've only come up with a couple, because that's just the way my brain works. Maybe when we get talking, I'll be able to pick up a couple more, because that's that's how the juices start flowing. Um, I'm just too tired during the day to think about anything. So, um, I guess we can jump right into it. Bears and Packers from uh, yesterday. Chicago eliminated... Green Bay clinches a berth with the help of the Rams' loss to Dallas, which I thought was a little bit extraneous. Yeah. When I saw the box score this morning, I didn't really pay attention to anything um, after the Packer game yesterday. But uh, Green Bay's in, Chicago is out, and it's uh Thank God. It's, it's a couple of weird turnarounds from last season where the Packers were not good, and I was listening to a, uh, the podcast as I do when I'm, prepping stuff um, in the morning, and Steve Zabin, who does uh, uh, a morning show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and then a, uh, an afternoon show in D.C., and I haven't looked close, but he has, and he said he examined the offensive numbers from last year under Coach Mike McCarthy and this year under Coach Matt LaFleur, and offensively, things are pretty damn near the same. Mm-hmm. In all areas. That doesn't surprise me. But yet, the record is better, and you played a little bit easier schedule this year because you stunk last year. Mm -hmm. So there's a byproduct of that. And you got a couple of wins this year that you probably shouldn't have. And Chicago, from winning the division, um, is out of the playoffs with a couple of weeks to go. So just it's just kind of a flip script a little bit. Yeah, the Bears uh, have not made the playoffs in successive years since the uh, the Super Bowl team in the mid, mid last decade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last decade, so like the 05, 06 Oh, that's teams. right, Colts, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, mercifully, I don't have to pay attention to this shit anymore. <laughs> I was tired of it. I was rooting for the Bears yesterday because they were playing the Packers, well, of course. but whatever, yep. you know. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it was kind of, uh, yesterday was kind of a microcosm, again, of, of the Bears season. You know, through three quarters, you can't get the ball in the end zone. You get down. The defense loosens up a little bit. Trubisky starts throwing the ball around, puts up some decent stats. You score late, and the game looks a little closer than it was. Um, not to say like the Packers were were blowing them out of the building or no. anything, but the Bears stunk yesterday, plain and simple. Um, and they just just too banged up at the end of the day. I mean, you're playing, you're missing your two starting linebackers. You've got Akeem Hicks in there, literally playing on one arm. I mean, Seriously. the guy came out like five times right. with his arm just dangling yep. there. I mean, you know, hats off to him for trying to give it a go. But I would hope that they shut him down for the next two games. It's well, it's stupid shut to risk down all of your you know? of your higher profile players. Yeah. There, there's no reason for you, for Khalil Mack to be out there. There's no, no reason for Hicks to. I, be out I didn't there. even know if he was out there yesterday. He had fr- one. He had, he had one tackle. Yeah. Packers offensive line did a bang up job, and Belaga basically for all the times that he had him took Mack out of the game, and Rodgers was sacked once. Well, and Mack's a very good player, but he didn't. He had a very poor season. Uh, too many games like yesterday where it's one one or two tackles, uh, no no QB pressures, um, you know, and and that's partly on him. That's partly on Chuck Pagano, the Bears' defensive coordinator, because if he's getting double teamed or something, you, you got to find a way to loosen him up. You know, switch sides of the field, do some stunts, whatever you got to do. Um, just just too much non-existence from from him this year. But um, you know. You watched that Bear team yesterday, and everything with them is so um, remedial, I guess would be the best word I could use. I mean, 
you know, David Montgomery, the rookie running back, he, he got better as the year went on, but like, you know, four yards, seven yards, two yards, no 28 yard runs. Um, you know, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Allen Robinson, I think, is a really, really good receiver, but he's a possession guy. He's a catch it and fall down guy. Same thing with Miller. You know, I mean, the, yesterday in that game, there were four or five times I'm watching it with my dad. There were four or five times where the Bears tried to, to, to throw the ball down the field to Anthony Miller on the sideline. And, like, he's either, like, basically out of bounds running or Trubisky throws the ball out of bounds. And it's like, how are you guys – you can't complete the pass if one or both are out of bounds. If it's it, – it didn't seem like if it's not between the hash marks, the success rate goes down. It's very low, very low. And, and I don't know if that's strictly because they don't trust Trubisky to open it up or – if Nagy's looking at these guys just going, I got no explosion here. Right. You know, last year you saw Tariq Cohen on these on these wheel routes up the sideline catching touchdown passes. You had instances where he's one on one with a linebacker. What the hell was that all year? It just it just wasn't attempted for the most part. So I don't know. I this team's got a lot of issues to look at going forward. I think they need some playmakers on offense, along obviously with a line. Um, Who do they got left on on the schedule? Who do they play? Uh, the next, they've got the, next the Chiefs. Games? They've got the Chiefs at home, and then at the Vikings. So Oof. I would expect them to go to finish up seven and nine this year. Which you know, whatever. I just assume that the nine and seven because what, what good is nine and seven, seven and missing and the missing the playoffs and moving five slots. Crappier no. in the draft. I mean, no, there's n- there's no reason for that. Um, conversely, I said it this morning, and you and I were, were texting, and you basically told me it's it's the worst eleven and three team probably in league history, and I I'm not sure that I disagree. Um, they had a touchdown right from the get go to Marquez Valdez Scandling, who apparently couldn't extend his arms fully to grab it and wound up with a drop. Geronimo Allison had a couple of drops as well, and then you get big plays from Lazard, you get big plays from Jake Kumaro, and I I emailed this to Wildy this morning, and I don't know if he covered it on his show because I, I just don't listen, but as a Packers beat guy, I want to know if someone has asked the question, and, and Rodgers was, was kind of miffed about somebody asking, you know, is 11-3 and three just the single takeaway, or do you also look at, how you guys are playing, and and is that more concerning? And Rogers flat said, "Well, that's a kind of condescending question." I think there's complete validity to that question because I think the players and the coaches can say, at the end of the day, we're eleven and three, and that's all we cared about. It's not like we're going to go hang our heads on the way out of the locker room. And nobody's saying you should, right? But at the same time, you should still be wary of the fact that you have not played a great game in a lot of these a since, lot, lot since of these the victories. Dal- since the Dallas yeah. game. Yeah. And yeah, you've won some games, but things are gonna get a little bit tougher in the postseason. Right. Which now you're guaranteed a shot at. So I think there's there's validity that well you guys want to go home and Rogers have his glass of scotch and celebrate. Other guys who are trying to be critical of what, what the problems are I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with fans asking that either because it goes past the 11-3 and record. So I asked Wildy, I said, can somebody ask in this room for Lafleur what more that Alan Lazard and Jake Kummerow need to do in games to hop over Marquez Valdez-Scanling and Geronimo Allison, other than just the fact that the quarterback likes them? Because that's who he brings up every year in training camp for the last couple of years. 13's great, and, you know, 81's great, and or 83. And it's like, okay, they're great, but in games, I'm not really seeing it this year. However, I am seeing it from the other guys who may be a little bit hungrier to get on the field and have made the most of their opportunities. And they certainly did yesterday when everybody is screaming for Allison to get out of the game. Valdez Scanling drops a touchdown. It's like, then you get these other guys who just for whatever reason, can make plays. So I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know the thought process. I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised that that was Rogers's reaction, considering that his skin is tissue paper thin, and the guy just <laughs> will not accept criticism from anybody. Um, 
And he, and you're right. I mean, the 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 Packer players, for the most part, shouldn't be worried about whether or not they played an A plus or a B plus yesterday. They got the win, and it's on to the next one. I get that. Um, I just don't know. As you you know, you've got one more game left this year against a shitty team. That's yes. the Lions. Yep. From here on out, you're playing playoff teams. Mm-hmm. You got the Vikings, and then you're in the playoffs. I don't know that you can count on the refs fucking up every time that there's a close play in Lambeau Field and giving you the break, which they got again yesterday, which again led directly to a touchdown touchdown in a one-touchdown game. So I don't know that you can count on that. I don't know that um, you can just hope and pray that Jake Kummerow makes that one catch and and, and the other team is on ice skates and they can't hang on to him and they're falling down around him. I don't know that you can count on that in the playoffs. So something is missing with this team the last, really since the bye. They have not really played well since the bye. Um, they've played some crappy teams and have been able to win those games with the exception of the 49ers. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, a win is a win. Good teams find ways to win, blah, 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 blah. That's great, but... Um, in reality, that doesn't really mean anything because you have to play better against the better teams going forward here because there's no margin for error now. I guess I'll just be curious about what happens in the postseason if you get a home game and and, let, and they can lose to the Vikings and still win the division. I think that's going to happen. Yes, so do I. I think I think the Vikings are going to lose in the week eight uh, week seventeen to Chicago. Frankly, really, I just have a feeling. Okay, it's just the way this shit goes, well, man. Well, e- either way, if they stay tied, Green Bay has has the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. And so they can wind up with an identical record and still win the division. They can get a home game. Why they got more conference wins or I, what? I, I I read it today okay. somewhere that 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 they can still do that and everything's all evened out. But Green Bay would still win the division. That's probably not a goal. I'm sure I wouldn't want it to be because mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of pressure on the Detroit game to follow that when when it shouldn't be. Um, but re- regardless. I would be curious to see what happens then in the playoffs. Like, what the story of this team would be if you continue to win ugly. You win a one-score game, a less-than-a-touchdown game in the divisional round, um, you know, or in the wild-card divisional, and then maybe in the conference championship, and then you go to the Super Bowl, and let's say you lose. Let's say they don't even make the Super Bowl. They lose in the conference championship, and they lose another ugly game. Do you think that this... It's still an overachieving season to my estimation, no matter how they play and how they get these victories. Because I don't think anybody expected them to have that many. Yeah, they might have played to the expectation that people thought, but somehow that translated to more wins. So I think you have to, well, however you look at it, deem the season a success already. I thought they were going to be, I was just looking at my predictions from earlier in the season I had him like nine and seven ten and six yep. fighting for the six seed yep that's kind of what I thought mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean if they win 12 games and get a first round uh home game yeah that's that's an overachieve I had this later down in the list but since you brought it up sure I was listening to Bill Simmons's podcast today and yep. and one of the things that him and uh cousin Sal were talking about was does home field advantage matter anymore? And the only caveat I think that it does is dome team versus non-dome team. Like if if the Packers are at home and they have to play and they get to play the Saints in January, then I think it matters because the Saints aren't used to playing in freezing ass cold weather because even when they're on the road during the season and they're in division, they're still down south. Mm-hmm. So I think in that respect it matters, but like if the Packers play the 49ers in Green Bay, does that really matter that they play in Green Bay or San Francisco anymore? I, and I'm just using the Packers in, as, right, as an example. That's, that, that's the one we can if, point if, to the most. If the Patriots um, play Baltimore no, in the AFC Championship no. game in Baltimore, does that matter that it's in Baltimore? It seems like you hear less about stadium lore as a dominant factor in deciding games. Well, and one of the things these guys brought up that, I think they're spot on about is like the the secondary ticket market now has really changed with and the Packers are one of the only ones that it hasn't changed because they have 
such a strange fan base and they have this waiting list for tickets, but like, you know, if you watch a Redskin game, half the people there, they're not Redskin fans. I read something about yesterday's Chargers Vikings games or game. It was 80 20 yeah, Minnesota. Right. So, like, if How the Chargers. How is that possible? If you're the Chargers and you make the playoffs, what the hell difference does it make if you play at home? You know? I, I don't know. I just think it's a. The Packers, when we were kids, up until the Mike Vick game, mm-hmm. they never lost at home in the playoffs. I remember that. I was in Madison watching with Pete and Joe, and they they just got destroyed. And then ever since that game, it's, like it's kind cold, of it's, it's 50-50. Home field. It's 50-50. Right. They've won some. They've lost. They've they've gotten beat by the Niners. Like, they've gotten beat by the Giants. Before that, you would you would hear everybody say nobody wants to go to Lambeau. If it was under forty in the playoffs in, in the Lambeau. cold and the snow and blah yeah. blah blah. Do you don't want to go there? Right. Then Mike Vick went there and ran circles around everybody and went, oh well, that wasn't so hard. Right. Nothing to be scared of anymore. Right. Yeah. He 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 kind of he kind of popped that balloon. I I guess maybe the only stadium left that is a little intimidating in the playoffs. Maybe Gillette for the Patriots. Maybe. Yeah, but, maybe. but that's just because they've been a dynasty. Right. But that Se- doesn't... People, say, people might say, well, Seattle. Oh, okay. But they've lost in the playoffs at home. I mean... Right. I don't know. The and, Saints lost have lost in the playoffs at home. And 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 you don't hear about Seattle's six uh you know, twelfth man anymore. You don't hear about the vaunted defense. Right. You you just don't hear like, oh, you don't want to go to Seattle. Like you're just not hearing that about places anymore. No. I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing that they no, brought no, up. That, and, that is. Um you, you really see it in baseball and basketball more so than football for sure. I mean, it doesn't matter at all anymore. No. No, in those sports. So, all right. Um, is there anything more that you wanted to, to no. touch on Packers and Bears, or can we put that? No, nope. let's put them. Put it to bed. Bears are hibernating for the summer. <laughs> See you next August to right. rip my heart out again. All right. Green Bay moves on again. That's a Monday night game uh, in Min- in Minneapolis, and I'm trying. I'm trying to talk to my wife about it because she's she's the Vikings fan, and I'm the Packers fan. And I say I just think they are going to get ripped to shreds. I don't think they're going to get ripped to shreds, but I think Minnesota will win. They're I mean they're playing their best football right now, so that's going to be a tough she, one. She she does the whole. Every time you say that, we lose, and I'm like, well, I I don't know how that works, but I that's what I honestly think. Well, I'm, it works as much as you not watching right? the Badger. That's game. right. Yeah. Somehow that that's that's what happens. So. Uh, run through the playoff picture uh, just a little bit as it stands with two weeks to go. AFC. All right, we have Baltimore twelve and two, Patriots eleven and three, Kansas City ten and four, Houston nine and five. Those are your division leaders. Baltimore and KC have clinched their divisions. Buffalo has clinched a playoff spot at ten and four as a wild card. Pittsburgh and Tennessee at eight and six. Um, so one of those two teams, well, one of those two in Houston right. will be in. The other five, let me see, no, my, my math. Baltimore, New England, Casey, and Buffalo are already in. Yep. Houston and Tennessee, one of them most likely will get in. The other probably won't. They still have yet to play. NFC, Seattle, Green Bay, both 11-3. and three. New Orleans, 10-3. and three. Cowboys, 7-7. Seven and seven. Those are your division leaders. Niners have clinched a playoff spot. They're 11-3. and three. Minnesota, 10-4. and four. Rams eight and six, and Philly seven and seven. Rams basically Rams have to win out. Minnesota has to lose out. Otherwise, the Rams are done. And Philly and Dallas, it's just uh, survival of the shittiest. They play one more time it's, it's this week. Yeah, and and whoever I, wins that game is probably going to make the playoffs. I saw a promo for we were watching the tube this morning in the one of the breaks in the show, and it's it's America's game of the week. Two seven and seven teams are the Fox game of the week for essentially the division. Yeah, yeah. And well, in September that probably looked like it was a pretty good game, but but I mean, in in the days of the flex schedule, that's what you want to do. And I get it has probably the most implications of any game. Maybe Packers and Vikings. But you got that Monday night. Right, so, so, so you can't flex that out of there. I don't know. You got any, San Francisco and Seattle at Sunday night. You, you're not going to flex that out of that position. Right. So that must be the – but uh, uh, at least Aikman gets to call a Cowboys game. Well, it'll be two Sundays in a row where I pretty much don't watch a lot of football no. because the games this week were really pretty yes. bad yep. to watch. 
All right. Uh, remaining games for each of these uh, playoff teams. Yeah, I mean, the interesting ones, Buffalo and New England play this week mm-hmm. in New England. Um, the Patriots, kind of like the Packers, they can lose this game and still win the division based on tiebreakers. Um, can, Kansas City, they, they've already clinched. I mean, they're kind of jockeying for position. They, they're at Chicago, have the Chargers left. Um, Houston at Tampa and home for Tennessee. Tennessee versus the Saints and at Houston. That's going to be tough for for the Titans to make the playoffs, I think. Pittsburgh's got at the Jets and at Baltimore. If they can beat the Jets, probably going to get in as that sixth seed. And, I mean, that's a pretty weak sixth seed with well, a with a third-string quarterback. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but, okay, do you, do you give coach of the year to a guy that has that kind of record? I mean, to me, what would the record be if you had any other coach? Would they even get two or three wins? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, they didn't get a lot, comparatively speaking, to the right. rest of the conference. But I think they won nine games last year with Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon. Well, no Le'Veon Bell, but with a better roster, they won and, nine games last year. And two two position players that were some of the best. All pros. Right. Yeah. Uh, tough tough uh, schedule for the Titans. It is. It that, is. That has left with the Saints and then at the Texans. NFC, uh, over the NFC yeah. yeah, you got the Niners. Niners got oh. two tough games. They got the Rams said, and the Seahawks. We said that three weeks ago. Yep. Stuff's going to start ramping up. Well, and you know, How do they their last three games, um, they have not played great. Their defense has not been great. Um, and they just you know, they gave up. Well, they gave up forty-five to yep. the Saints, and then they gave up thirty to Atlanta yesterday mm-hmm. at home. At home, I don't know how they lose that game. I mean, I guess it's a trap game, but. Um, you know, Packers at the Vikings at the Lions, New Orleans at Tennessee at Carolina, Dallas at Philly, home for Washington, Seattle versus Arizona versus the Niners. That's pretty That's well, not too, that's you know, not, that's, that's, that's one guaranteed one. one. You're right, yeah. Uh, Vikings uh, home for the Packers and the Bears. Favorable. Um, Rams at the Niners, home for the Cardinals, and Philly has home for Dallas at the Giants. So nobody, I mean, San Francisco's got the toughest schedule, I would right. say, of yep. those teams. I, I would agree with you. Um, I don't think anybody's is super easy. I guess the I guess the NFC East teams you would look at it and say it's easy, but they got to play each other, so who knows? Right. Uh, New Orleans has got to go on the road twice. Packers got to go on the road twice. Um, but I, I would I would probably agree with you that the Niners, if they lose to the Falcons at home and now they they get the Rams at home and then have to go to Seattle, I, I'm I'm not so sure that San Francisco is not going to end that those two weeks one and one. Right. You right. Know? So. so the NFC is basically the the six teams are basically set, right? Barring catastrophe from the from the there's, Vikings, there's just shuffling. It's just a little bit of shuffling. In the AFC, um, you've got four locks, and you're just kind of waiting on the the last two. So, yeah. you want to talk about this latest Patriots well, I just, scandal? I just kind of wanted to big deal, little deal, no deal. I've heard from several people that on one end of the spectrum have said. This is insanely huge, and it's diabolical, and they need to be punished, and blah, blah, blah. And on the other side, they say, it's not the fact that New England did it. It's the fact that it's Cincinnati, so who cares? Well, that that's that's a terrible argument. I, I totally agree. But that's the, like I robbed my neighbor, that, and we're friends, so it's not really robbery. I, I'm not d- disagreeing, but that's the national people that follow sports that are coming out with this. And they're not even New England-based people you know, in Boston in that area. So it's like, I, I don't know whether they just don't take it seriously. To me, you now have a culture that has bred getting ahead any which way you can, even if it means breaking the rules. Teddy Bruschi and Randy Moss yesterday on uh, ESPN's pregame show kind of went off a little bit about it. And oh. they they were like, what are, you, what are you, what are we doing here? Why are we doing why and Brewski's saying we and he's like, Look, I'm a patriot. Right. I played there my whole career. Yep. And he's like, and I hear this story and I'm just like, why? Why are you there? Why, why you are you this? video why why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense. Here's my personal thing, opinion on this. I don't think it's a big deal right now. I think in fifteen to twenty years, I think that's when it's going to come back and bite Belichick and Brady. Because I think that as I've as I've watched the generation now shit on 
the Jordan Barkley Magic Bird era when comparing to guys like LeBron and James Harden and Kobe. I think we're going to see that in football. And I think what they're going to shit on with the Patriots is all of this cheating. There's going to be when when kids that are 25 years old in 20 years are reading and looking back on this Patriots dynasty, there's going to be all this all these red flags and it's going to be like well, no wonder they won. They were cheating all the time. How can I say that Tom, no wonder he won six Super Bowls. How can I say he's the best player when they're cheating? They're spying. They're videotaping. They're deflating balls. Tom Brady looks younger at 42 than he does at 24. They're cheating. Bill Belichick has basically said, I don't care what the rules are. Right. I'm not concerned. He's kind of like um, uh, Jerry Tarkanian back in the day in, in college basketball where he was like, I don't give a shit what the recruiting rules are. I'm going to do what I have to do to get these guys to my school. And Belichick has kind of taken that approach. And it's unfortunate in a way because he is the greatest coach of all time. You shouldn't need to do this. this. He, why are you doing? What are you? Even if it's the Bengals, and, and, or even if it's the like it's the Forty ers or and, and whoever. I'm willing. I'm almost willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one because it was this. It's craft productions, and it really has nothing to do with the football team. But like you said, it's this culture of we're the Patriots. We can do whatever the hell we want to do. I dare you to do something to us, because I still think. They think they got screwed into Flategate, and I think they think the league owes them one. They're go they're going about it then in the wrong way, because if they did, t- I mean, if they've taken away draft picks and they are not afraid to uh, the league, I'm talking about. If they're mm-hmm. not a league afraid to step up and and over uh, penalize somebody, then I don't see how. Repeatle, repeatedly breaking the rules is going to tell the league, hey, well, you might want to let us slide in this one since you fucked up the last one. Right. I don't think the league's going to see it that way. I think it's going to say, why do you guys keep doing this? You didn't learn your lesson the last time? Now we'll, now we'll nick you harder. How about you lose the first three draft picks instead of the first one or but, something like that? But look at what the... The the cheating has done to the legacies of like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Yeah. They were never actually caught cheating, right? But the stigma of cheating is attached, attached to, them. to them, and future generations going down the line are going to read about and look back on this stuff, and they're going to think, "Well, those guys they they cheated," which is funny. Which basically is like it invalidates everything. That they did in their career. When you have a sports conversation with someone and all of a sudden turns to baseball and who's got the most home runs, and you mentioned Barry Bonds, is the first thing that you mention is that, yeah, he was the greatest home run hitter in every time that whatever, or do you mention first, well, uh, he took a lot of stuff that he shouldn't have been taking. I would argue that it's the latter. I think with most people it is. And that, yeah. oh, that, that pushes down the fact that he hit so many, and he was seeing the ball very, very well right. at the late stages of his career because what people want to talk about more is the bad things that you're doing, not the great things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's just where we are right now. But when you you know, you know talk about Brady being the GOAT, and then people are going to read back, and they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. They were they were, they were they cheated in their first Super Bowl. Right. They were taping the Rams. Then they cheated with the deflate gate to get to the Super Bowl forget, in the conference championship games. Yeah, well, I mean, just it, on and on and on it goes, and it's just going to kind of be like, well, no wonder they won six Super Bowls. Right. How many other teams did they do this to and they didn't get caught? Exactly. So, all right. Um, ooh, you got a note about kickoffs and deferring? I love this, and by that I mean I hate this. The the fa- I've lamented the existence of um, too many rules in football for a long, pretty much as long as we've done this show. Um the fact that you can have a team kick off in both halves is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's the dumbest thing I've ever Either you kick now or you kick later. It shouldn't be the team's choice. No. It's, it's if you win the flip, you get to choose what you're going to do. Do you want but the ball now or any, do you want it later? But why would any team choose to kick twice? Because if, they, you can choo- if you can kick twice, can you receive twice? Sure. Well, no, because it's not can your... You, but, right, yeah. you can't choose to receive twice, so why can you choose to kick twice? 
Well, you can only receive twice no, if the other team chooses you, to kick twice. You don't get a choice. You get a choice at each half, but that doesn't stop either one of those from happening. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We've done it in high school. We have done it. I was on a team that did it. Wow. Sun Prairie in the playoffs my junior year. We went there, and we all knew that we were going to get we we're going to get crushed. If any senior that's that was above me that 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 listens to this podcast, Coach Thorpe made it a point in the beginning of the game or before the game in the locker room to say, "If there's anybody that thinks we don't stand a chance in this game, get up and just get on the bus right now. I don't want you in here." You have no idea how hard it was for me not to stand up and go <laughs> go go get on the bus. I knew we were going to get our brains bashed right. in. So what do we do? We promptly go out. We lose the coin flip. Sun Prairie wants the ball. We kick, or no, wait a minute, let's see. We deferred to the, no, they deferred, okay? Sun Prairie defers. We choose to kick off. We kick off. They run it back for a touchdown. I was going to say, why would you want to be down 7 to nothing? They run it back <laughs> for a touchdown. So what happens at the, ha- at the half? It's their choice because they deferred. They choose to receive. They get it. They run it back for a touchdown. So I, I guess we, the moral of the story is it's a stupid rule that can be doubly stupid if you have stupid people that are correct around that. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that exists at the pro level because guys at that age, but maybe not with that much experience, should know this is what you have to do. Or do they get a pregame pep talk now? Remember, it is the Cowboys, though. So, uh, yes, <laughs> deferring, it, it's, it just should be, here's the beginning of the game, somebody's going to kick, somebody's going to receive, second half, it's going to be opposite. But it was like they knew it was such a joke, they actually changed it. And at halftime, the Cowboys, I think, got the ball or whatever. I, they, I, they, I only the read league, about the it. The league office rectified it at halftime because it was so stupid. I don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, the, the fact that that still exists, and I just... I, if you defer, just say this. We want the ball at the second half. Yes. That's all you got to do. Yeah. We'll we'll kick right now. We'll take it to the and second like, half. Does, does anybody anymore not defer? Seems like everybody constantly Seattle, defers. We want the ball. We're going to score. Well, that was well, yeah. Well, yeah. But, but that right. was an overtime. No, though. you and, and, and you see that sometimes in high school. Most of the time, it's deferring. Mm-hmm. For the teams that really want to get up right away, or they think they can, you know, start to to, to kickstart a blowout, they want the ball because they know they can get down and put points on the board right away. Right. Otherwise, everybody's deferring. So, hmm. all right, enough uh, NFL. Yeah. We yeah. will uh, we'll move to the Badgers. Um, Not much to talk about, no, just a couple um, awards. Yeah, Biotish wins the Remington. Um, first Badger center to do that, best center in the I country. I was surprised to hear that. Yeah. So was I considering all the offensive linemen. I thought like Ray, Raymer or or one of those guys Step, from um, back in the oh late nineties. Oh there's another one that I can't think of. Right? Yeah. No, for plenty of Badger offensive linemen centers that have come out of there. Um, yeah, he's the well, only what's the one. What's the kid, uh, Frederick? Yeah, Travis. Frederick. I, I mean, I would have thought that one of those guys, but I guess not. I guess not. So um, they got three All Americans: um, Bond, uh, Taylor, obviously, and then I think the other one was was the other Yadish. one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biotish. So, not bad. Now it's just a waiting of three more weeks until the Rose Bowl. Yep. So, And that's college football, and we move on. Yep. College hoops. Badgers have uh, ha- have the week off. Thank God for everybody's eyes. I can't believe that they are 0-3 in New Jersey since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, that's... I, whatever. It's weird. It, well... I don't even know that you can really put a finger on it. Like, it's not necessarily different. Even when they had good teams, yeah. they lost yeah, over Yeah, I mean, the Badgers have gone over with good teams. Rutgers has got different coaches, so it's it's not, I don't know. It's just one of those things. One of those um, things. But I, did, I didn't watch any of the any of the Scarlet Knights. I actually played. missed the whole game myself. I, I forgot that it was even on, and then I happened to look at my phone and saw they lost. Um, eight for 23 again from three. Um. They just have no athletes on this team. I mean, outside of Kobe King, this is just a very, very um, feet nailed to the ground <laughs> Badger team. I mean, it, you know, Brad Davison. I, I mean, people would tell you, well, he was a quarterback, all all state quarterback in football in high school. He's got to be a good athlete. Yeah, but he can't run and jump. He can't run fast and he can't jump high. And that's what that's what Rutgers has. Rutgers has a bunch of athletes. They may not be the greatest basketball, basketball players, players yeah. but they got a bunch of athletes. And on nights when all of a sudden shots start going in, you're in trouble. Um, 
I, I don't know. The, uh, five and five for the Badgers, one and one in the Big Ten. Um, they get Micah Potter back now. They play UWM, yeah. uh, I think, Thursday. Or what? what Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Which, you know, they'll win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but how mu- how big of a difference is that I don't know. Make? I don't know. I mean, I guess, I think then, I think they play Milwaukee Saturday, then they're off for a full week, and then they go down to Tennessee. Tennessee. That will kind of be where you're going to f- really understand whether or not this team's any good or not. Um, Tennessee's not great, but they're, they're again, they're going to be very athletic. They're good. They play uh, an up-tempo style, and it's on the road. Not in the call center where you seem to shoot well. You can't make shots on the road. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know what to make of Micah Potter. I don't know if he's going to make much of a difference or not. I've never seen the kid play. Um, But things are not looking rosy for the Badgers. Nope, not at all. That's for sure. Um, Marquette coming up uh, with Grambling and North Dakota State. Yep. Very Cup, exciting. A couple of uh, cupcake home games. They were off the last week. Um, 17th. Is that tomorrow already? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, should win both of those. Uh, North Dakota State. Um, that that'll be a decent game. That's a, that's a pretty solid program. Um, Tyree Eady from uh, Middleton, who yeah. we, we we called their games a couple years ago. He is on North Dakota State. I'm not sure if he's starting. Uh, he's playing about 25 minutes a game, averaging about seven points okay. per. So he is getting some time. Speaking of Middleton, is, Mur- is Storm Murphy still on Wofford? Storm Murphy had five threes and 15 points last night in their upset of North Carolina. I was wondering that. I didn't know what grade now, he was North in, Carolina but... was missing both starting guards, but still. It's Wofford. It's it's a it's a heck of a win for those yep. guys. Okay. So a couple of big eight kids doing pretty good yep. in, in, uh, in college right now. But not a lot going on in college. College hoops, kind of uh, the lull before the the conference storm around the first of the year. So, um, just got a couple non conference games here left, and that'll be about it. NBA, the Bucks have the best record in the league. They've won eighteen in a row. They go for nineteen tonight uh, when they take on Dallas. But Dallas just unreal. Mitch and Don, Doncic, and I, I didn't realize how much he meant to his team. Uh, leader in points per game, rebounds per game, and assists per game. Yeah, he's he is probably first team All NBA right now, and, le- and the reigning MVP or, uh, or rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's a stud. Yeah. Um, and remember who told you about him? Being you did. A stud last you year, did. I told you yes, that guy was going to be something. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, twenty four and three, eighteen in a row. Like you said, um, they they did what I was hoping last week. They had four games. Won all four, Orlando, New Orleans, Memphis, and Cleveland. The Memphis one was a little sketchy. They were down most of the game till the about midway through the fourth quarter. Giannis took over, and they end up winning going away. Um, just some co- a couple interesting things that I, I wanted to point out. Right now in the league, um, there's six teams winning by more than six points a game, so plus-minus average. Sure. Um, it's it's the Bucks, the Celtics, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Clippers, and Dallas. Those are the only six. There's only three teams in the league winning by eight points or more. The Bucks, the Lakers, and Dallas. The Bucks are at twelve point three victory margin right now. Lakers are in second at eight point five. That's almost four points better than second place. They're winning by an average. The Bucks are averaging like hundred and twenty one points a game right now. That's crazy. I don't know if they can keep that up all year, but to think that an opposing team has to come into the serve and score 120-plus points to beat you, whew, that is a tough thing to do. Tell me what a right fibula avulsion fracture is. I'm not sure. It's got to be some kind of a crack in your shin, right? I don't know. That's what I would think. Does a shin splint finally splint? I don't know. And then it cracks? And I, that's, I, 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 I thought it was like, you know... You ever get that when you when you were playing sports younger and you get hit in the leg and you just get like a big goose egg? Oh, absolutely. I thought maybe it was that, but then I but heard fracture, fracture, so I wasn't sure. I'm going to look that up. And I, can... I, I didn't want to go on WebMD and Google it because I always get confused on there because it's too smart for me. <laughs> but uh, sounds like Bledsoe's going to be out for about two weeks. Oh, there it is. Um, which, you know, the Bucks are 10-0 and 0 so far this year when missing a starter. An avulsion fracture of the fibular head generally involves the styloid process and causes injury of some of the major stabilizers in the posterior lateral corner. Yeah, I don't know what anything you just said nope. means. And, and this is this is the basic <laughs> breakdown uh, that's right at the top of Google. Avulsion fractures are strongly associated with disruption of the posterior cruciate ligament, so, so PCL. So that has something to do with that. Um, 
is not always serious. Rest may be the best. Yeah, as long as nothing's tore. Yeah, fine. Well, we were on their way to um to uh, some games this weekend, and just looking ahead a little bit in the schedule. Um, outside Dallas tonight without Doncic, you would think that that would be a victory, especially at home. Hopefully, yeah. What you you were really looking ahead to, and not necessarily in a positive way, was against the Lakers because if that winning streak comes to an end, and it's by virtue of LeBron and the Lakers. It would be a national feeding frenzy. Oh, God. Positive that would just be yeah. ooey-gooey on L.A. And basically, I don't know, do you think that would just wipe everything away that the Bucks have done over the last 19 games if, if they win this one? Nationally, yeah. Locally, no. Because I still don't, and, and I don't watch as much as I should, and I don't read as much as I should. I just would think that a 19-game winning streak, there would be more news popping up and that the Bucks would be in more national conversations, and I just am not seeing it, well, or, or am, am I looking in the wrong places? No, I mean, it's it's because there's these there's these NBA narratives right now. Um, you know, the, there's a narrative that LeBron and Anthony Davis is the greatest duo since uh, McCartney and Lennon. It's like the greatest thing ever. It's the coolest thing walking. The Lakers are going to walk through the West, and they're going to win the title, and LeBron's going to wear his crown, and everybody's going to kiss his ass. There's that narrative. <laughs> There's a narrative that the Eastern Conference isn't any good, that the Western Conference is so superior. So the Bucks are actually not beating up on good teams, which if you actually look at the schedule, number one, that's false. If you actually look at the standings between the East and West, it's false because the East actually has the same amount of teams with winning records as the West does. Um, so nationally, if the Lakers win on Thursday and win convincingly on Friday, on first take, on Cowherd, on Skip Bayless' show, it's going to be all Lakers. They won't even. They won't even. It's not like they will even disparage the Bucks. They just won't even talk about them. Which I don't really care. But it's just I just don't want to hear the LeBron drool fest anymore. I'm just tired of it. It's kind of like the same thing with Brady. You've been tired of it for a couple. Yeah, of years. I'm just tired of it. I mean, the guy's great. That's cool. But I don't need to know every time he sneezes or goes to his kid's game. I just don't care. That. Okay, can we pause for a second and talk about that? There has been a lot happening at ESPN over the last few years with the transition to the the hot take shows and finding um, hosts who are now more opinionated and say colorful things rather than just describing a highlight, giving you the facts of the game, and moving to the next game. Mm -hmm. Maybe bringing somebody in for an interview to talk about the game or a game that's coming up or something like that. That has gone completely out the window. Yeah. Those days are gone that we grew up on the Sports Center with, which was cool because you saw highlights of every game, you heard from some athletes, you heard from some coaches, and that's where it stopped. Well, and they allowed Dan and Keith and Craig Kilborn to inject their personality into the highlight. Right. Which was enough. Correct. But now it's not. Now it's about promoing, it's about hyping, it's about talking up, talking down, whatever. And the fact that you have a highlight of a high school game from a, from a kid of an NBA superstar, I, I don't know if credibility is the right word, but I just don't, I just, I just shy away from that now. It's like, I can't take you seriously. I just can't. And I don't know the last time that I did because of all the pomp and circumstance that comes with all of these shows anymore. And it's not even the shouting shows anymore where my opinion needs to be better than your opinion or whatever. This is a bonafide highlight score show. Right. And that's what they're doing. Why should any of us care about that just because it's LeBron James's kid? That, and that's the only reason. Who cares? That's the only reason. Nobody should care. Well, here's here's... What I find the most interesting about this whole LeBron's kid in high school and, and, and LeBron going to the games, he acts like a complete fucking clown show at these games. And there was a clip of him, I think I read, I think it was like 2008, they were playing the Celtics, and LeBron's mom was in the stands, and she was going nuts uh, during the Celtic-Cav game, and LeBron famously said, Mom, sit your ass down. 
Well, he came out today and said that he wanted to apologize to his mom for ever saying that to her because he now knows what it's like to be a sports parent and that running around and jumping around and screaming and yelling and doing cartwheels and not wearing your shoes and high-fiving kids as they're running down the court, that's okay. And what I find interesting is how much support he is getting from people in the media, the national media, for acting this way with the caveat of because he's African-American and because so many African-American boys didn't grow up with fathers, this is fantastic. It's kind of the the LeVar Ball argument. I wish my dad was Was this involved. involved. If this happened in games that we did around here. Oh, my God. Schmoltz would be writing an editorial about it in the Gazette. Tom Oates and the people in Madison would be flipping out about it, and then the WIAA would be changing their rules to keep parents off the floor. Yes. But because it's LeBron, it's celebrated. I don't understand that. You know who doesn't act like that when he goes to see his brother's games in high school that we've seen clips of? The best player in the NBA? Correct. He's been seen in the balcony, sitting on his ass, cheering before the game or out on the court before the game with his brother showing him some things, telling him some things, and then do you see him jumping up and down like a complete crazy person? No. During the game? Nope. No, you don't because that's not how you're supposed to act around games like that. Well, and Giannis, was at, he was at a game the other night. They showed him and, and his brother Thanasis were there. Yes. And they down were in the asking, left corner. Yeah, and he basically said, we're just here for support. Like, he's got to do his own thing and find his own path. We just love our brother and we want to watch him. Perfect. You know? Perfect. That's how it's you do it. It's not about me. That's how you do it, personally. Okay. So you can get back to the but you can get back well, to the bus that, now. That's pretty much it. All right. Um, After we, the Lakers, we, they're on the road at the Knicks, and yep. then they got the P. So back-to-back games. Wow, that's, so a, that's if, a tight schedule this week. If they get through these four games... They would have a 22-game win streak. They'd be 28-3 and going into the Christmas Day game against Philly. If that happens, then I think you're going to start hearing about them nationally. Because they are on national television. And because 28-3 and with a 22-game win streak, now you're getting into very, very historical things. I think the all-time win streak is 33 by the 72 Lakers. And then at 28-3... and you're legitimately talking about 70 wins. And the record was set a couple years ago by Golden State at 73. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be a fun week here to, to kind of see how the Bucks do. I will be surprised if they win all four, especially with blood so banged up. But, 33 um, straight, 71-72 season. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I believe the Bucks broke the streak. How did they How did they finish the year? What do you think the record was? It's, uh, 69 wins. Correct. Yeah, 69 and 13. That was the record of for wins until the 96 Bulls 170. So you, you should have been on Stump the Schwab yeah, back when it was around. I know. All right, let's switch to baseball. Uh, you had a signing today for the Brewers. We'll get to that. Um, last week they signed Josh Lindblom. Three years, nine million incentives can basically double that to 18. I didn't know he was an MVP. MVP Cy Young in the Korean League. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Last time he played in the majors was 2017 with the Pirates, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, You and I both look at this and be like, we have no idea who that is. Although I don't think we heard of Eric Thames either. No. Before he came to the Brewers and he, and he came from Korea. So I, uh, I follow a couple of baseball nerds that are in my age bracket who really dive deep into looking at other leagues and minors and, you know, advanced metrics and some of the other teams so, they, that, so that when they see highlights of these guys, they can break down some things and they, and they can make informed opinions of them. One of the guys that's a baseball nerd says that this guy was very, very underrated over there and for the money that they signed him for, if he performs at that level that he did over there, over here, which the competition you would think is a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, this will turn out to be a steal. Yeah, so, he's probably playing in like a double-A caliber league over there. It's not much of an investment, so to me, this is fine, but it's not a huge deal. What's concerning to me is that he's pitched a total of four major league games since 2014. Okay? Okay. He has... Um, a total of six major league starts in his career. He is, will be, I believe, thir- uh, he'll be almost 33 years old when the season starts. 
and he's on a three-year deal. So this guy's going to be on the team at 36. Um, you know, you're talking about you don't want to give long-term contracts to guys in their mid-30s, and then you turn around and give a long-term contract to a guy in his mid-30s. Well, three so years. Is, that's, that's a little interesting, yeah. but um, I don't know. You know, like you said, we don't. I don't follow the Korean Baseball no. League. I don't even follow the goddamn American League. So I sure as shit ain't following some league on the other side of the pond. Um, you know, I figure him to be a four-fifth guy. You know, four low four ZRA, five hundred ish pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. He he he's you know he's not going to be competing for the Cy Young. Um, is he is he better than Davies or Anderson? He's cheaper. Right. That's yeah. all I know. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. And then they got some outfield help today. Um, that happened. This uh, is at, a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. As far as the investment or the fact that that's just they signed him. Avisael Garcia, who when I was working over um, for ESPN 1380 before it, it made switches, I was talking about this guy for the White Sox as one of their better up-and-coming players in a long time for the organization. Um, and he made he, an all-star team yes, with them. And, and, and he has sent, he since moved on uh, to Tampa, and now he signs with the Brewers. But And I didn't see the price tag. I just saw on the bottom line while I was watching PTI uh, this afternoon. I just saw that they signed him. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. good player, mm-hmm. fine. But then I saw what you had wrote and what they signed him for. That seems a little excessive. Two years, $20 million. Yeah. Um, well, it, and it's, it's kind of head-scratching on a few levels. Um, number one, by basing, uh, by basis of this signing, you will never, ever, ever, ever again see Prince Fielder in Miller Park because this was the guy that was allegedly banging Fielder's wife in Detroit about six, seven oh, years my ago. God. So anybody that's a Prince Fielder fan, you've seen the last of him for the wow. for the for the foreseeable okay. future. Didn't know that. Um, as far as the the contract goes, um, ten million dollars for him. You didn't want to give Moose 14, and you're talking about a two-year difference. I'm not sure that really makes a ton of sense. Um, but from a purely baseball standpoint, it's interesting because now you've got five outfielders on your roster. You've got Kane, Yelich, Braun, Garcia, and Gamble. Um, and all of them are under contract, all of them on your 40-man roster. What this leads me to believe is Braun is now – your first baseman every time a lefty's on the mound. Okay, that I can deal with that. What concerns me is you now probably have the worst right side defensive infield in baseball. With Hira and Braun. Um, Braun, I really hope that I don't have to watch him running down the right field line Trying to catch towards the wall, yeah. Trying to catch seeds in the dirt thrown from Arcia that he can't scoop, or garbage throws from from Hira from short right field. Um, that's a little. Every time I think about this, it it reminds me of the scene in Moneyball where uh, Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt, is talking to. Uh, Chris Pratt, uh, Scott, uh, Scott Hatterberg, played by Chris and Pratt. Ron Washington and, is there. And Ron Washington is there. It's one of there. my favorite scenes. And they, they're telling Hatterberg that they're going to put him at first base. And he says, I'm a catcher. I'm a catcher. I've never played first base before. And Billy Bean says, it's easy. Tell him, Ron. No, and he, he says, Scott, it's not that hard. Tell him, Wash, it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. So <laughs> That makes me crack up the, the, every time. Yeah, the, the Brewers... And I've heard it from friends of mine that are with, with the team, and I've read this. I even read it today. The way the Brewers approach their roster is, let's just sign a bunch of talent, and we'll figure out, out where later. to play them later. Hence the Shaw Mustakis thing last year. Hence, hence alligator arm Thames running around right field watching fly balls hit the ground. <laughs> this is what the Brewers do. So basically what they're telling me is, we're going to try to smash our way because you got a left-handed bat in Garcia with a short porch in right field that is as much as great as he is has certainly benefited Yelich. You're going to we're going to smash our way to 80 wins. We're going to hope that we can pull 8 to 10 more out of our ass and we're in contention at the end of the year. 
that's kind of the way I look. I kind of look at this team kind of like I looked at last year's team where I think they're 500 for four months. I think you get to mid-August and you hope you catch lightning in a bottle and you get hot and somebody goes cold and you can make a run. They've done it for a couple of years. Because as it stands now with this contract, I think their payroll now is around like $95 million. I don't think they're going to go over $100 million. They were 125 last year. I don't think they're going to go over 100, and if they do, it ain't going to be much. Um, despite what anybody is tell, trying to tell you, they did have a mandate to slash their payroll. Um, so this is not a championship roster. It can be a playoff roster, sure. Um, but if if you look at the last the last 10 years, this decade, Giants, Cardinals, Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals. Those are your five National League representatives in the World Series. Big money, big money, big money, big money, big money. The only two teams in baseball that have made the, the, the World Series this decade that aren't huge money teams. Royals. You had the one year with Cleveland, and you had the two years with the Royals. And the Royals were lightning in a bottle. They traded Granke to the Brewers. They got a bunch of prospects back. They panned out, and then they had their own prospects have career years, Moustakis, Hosmer, Sal Perez. That's kind of what has to happen is for a small market team to compete for a title if they're not willing to spend money. Um, I know the Brewers are, are sort of cash-strapped. I get that. Um, but I don't know. You spend $10 million on a bat, I'd kind of rather you spend it on, on pitching. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe these... These bargain bin Salvation Army level guys that they're picking out of the woodwork, Lauer and and uh, Lindblom and and who's the other one they just got? I don't even remember who the hell it was. Lauer and Lindblom. Um, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, maybe these guys are maybe these guys are head and shoulders better than Davies and Anderson. I would be surprised. I think they're probably yeah, about was it, the was, same. Was it Anderson. Yes, Brett Anderson, yeah. a guy who's yeah. had like one year where he yeah. hasn't had a back problem, and it was last year. Go figure. Um, so, you know, maybe these guys are head and shoulders above Anderson and Davies. I doubt it. I think they're at best the same, but they're cheaper, and that's kind of, it seems, what they were going for this offseason. All right, closing in on the hour mark, we have a return of a top five list, and as I look at uh, Dan's list, he's got about 12 or 13 I struggled because I don't have thinking of this today, even though you had a reminder uh, for me. I just sat around and I started to think, and I'm like, I identified some teams that played the the Packers, the Badgers, the Brewers, and the Bucks. and I'm not a huge NBA guy, so I, I that, that was a little shallow. And it's hard for me to generate really any, any angst towards national people because it's just, I just don't care that much. I'm just that you know, apathetic. And so it's just like, I struggle with this. I love that you have a big list because that will, that will trump mine. Our top five sports villains of the decade. It can be a team. It can be an executive. It can be uh, a player. An, an owner, mm -hmm. or it can be a player. Mm -hmm. And the only person that I really came up with that I kept circling back to that I really absolutely hate with the deepest recesses of my soul is Yadier Molina. I think that that's fine. I think he can be one through five. <laughs> There's my list. Yeah, that's okay. I hate him so much. When when something happens, when the Brewers are playing the cards, and I've seen it happen a couple of times, when somebody fouls one off or something bounces up and it hits them right in the underside of the carriage, I say, yes, fuck you, man. <laughs> you deserve that right there. That's... That's how much I loathe that person. It, it reminds me of the player haters ball skit on Chappelle's show when Chappelle's up giving his uh, speech for winning the award, and he just says, "I hope all the bad things in life happen to you and nobody else but you." That's, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what that's, it is. That that's me to Yadier Molina. All right. So that's my one through five. That's that, I, I could, it's respectable. Like, like I. I there was Jared Allen with the Minnesota Vikings, and I hated him, but mostly because he was good. 
Yeah, I, I didn't like him because of his well, you, attitude. You, you hated him because he was a Viking, though. Well, that, that too, but he played the Packers twice a year, and he was really good against If he them. was on Tampa, you wouldn't hate him. I, no, I wouldn't care. Then he went to the Bears, and he wasn't good anymore, right. so I just didn't care. Right. There was the one year that the Badgers played Penn State in the Big Ten title game, and Trace oh, McSorley, God, I, wish, yeah. I wish that guy's leg would have been busted in half in that game. I don't know what kind of dude he is, but on the field, he's one of those guys that I'd tell my entire defense— I don't care if you get kicked out for the next game. You go and beat the shit out of that guy every time you think you might not be able to get a flag. Yeah. You, you adding him to your list? No, no, I'm okay. somebody else. Here. All right. But, yeah, th- those are the only guys that, that in big games or I would see on the field that would be like, I hate that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that. But then after a while, it's like you realize that it's just a flash in the pan and there's not continual hate. I hated Molina for a while, and it sounds like I'm going to keep hating him. Yeah, I hope if he goes out in a boat in the middle of Lake Koshkinon, I hope it tips over. <laughs> and he can't swim. And he can't swim. I don't care. Sink like a stone. <laughs> All right. right here, here we go. All so right. You got a long I, list. I, I got the, I'll give you my top five. This is in no particular order. Okay. And, then, and then I've got a list of honorable mentions. This is very non-Christmassy and holiday, by the way. We're just talking about, fuck this guy, that guy, this this team. You're talking to the guy that doesn't even put lights up. Christmas schmishmas. I don't care. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right. So. Top five, the Patriots. All right. Ob- obviously. There's no explanation. Yeah, I couldn't narrow it down between Belichick, Brady, and Kraft, so it just Group had to be the in. Patriots. That's fine. Um, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, extremely arrogant. Extremely cocky. The whole Kevin Durant joining a championship team to take the easy way out. Just a very easy team to dislike. Um, Molina, of course. Yes. Um this one's kind of a tie as my Wisconsin sports hate. Okay. Um and I really don't even I really don't even hate Rodgers. <laughs> like hate hate Rodgers. Uh-huh. He just he just annoys me cuz he's a sure. little Nancy boy. I understand. Um but Frank Kaminsky. I mean, just Big Bird, he's a complete <laughs> idiot. He thinks he's the greatest player ever walking. I just could never stand him. Okay. Um and my you know, I could have thrown Bo Ryan in there but I, I decided to go with Frank. Okay. So that that's my top five. Um, Honorable mention? Oh, no, I got one more. I'm okay. sorry, my top five. NFL refs, just in general. Yeah, Has you've... there been a shittier organization of people in the last decade in sports not than that? Not really. Maybe the NCAA, and, and, and but it's, that's it. It's not like they're fiery personalities or whatever. They're just bad at what they're I doing. Mean, you can literally think back, if you and even if you Googled it, you can find multiple games that they wrecked for teams. That's how bad they were. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention, Manny Machado. I, I thought of him. Asshole. National scene, I was like, I don't care. He's a dick, but yeah. what? It, it, he's not worth my time. Um, Roger Goodell. Completely agree. Um, Could have been in my top five. I didn't want to get too football heavy, so I, I, I wanted to mix it up a little bit. But mm-hmm. Goodell could have easily been in the top five for just his handling of, of, everything. of everything the yes. last ten years. Um, this was a good one um, thrown out to me from our good buddy Joe Robinson. Grayson Allen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, and that kind of goes along with another thing on my list, Duke. Just Duke in general. Nobody likes Duke. Arrogant. The only people that like Duke are people that went to Duke and people under 12 years old. When you, That's it. When you started to like Duke when you were 12 yes. years old and you didn't care afterwards of all the opinions and stuff that come out of them, you just put sunk your feet into concrete and that's where you were staying. Right. I'm a Duke fan. Yep. Yep. Um, one of the biggest pricks I've ever seen in any <laughs> any part of sports is Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I mean, just a piece of garbage. Running yep. his mouth. Constantly. Constantly. Yep. Beating up women. Yep. No no thanks. Okay. Um, LeBron. I, I just, you know. And, and villain, <laughs> I you know, and this is why he's not in my top five. He's not a bad dude. I just, I just, I'm just tired of him, and I just want him to go away. It's hard for him to be classified as a villain for a lot of the places that he's been because of so much that he's done yes, positively right. in, in the community. For sure. But it's just the persona. It's the egoism. It's everything that's associated with being king. Yes. So, I, so, I, so I'm with you on that. Um, Kevin Durant, he, you know, he kind of fits in with the Warriors thing, going to, the, going to Golden State and kind of taking the easy way. Okay. Um, James Harden, I don't know anybody that enjoys watching that guy dribble the ball for 20 seconds of a shot clock and then either shooting it or th- or flopping or throwing it to a guy in the corner who has to just throw it out of his hands with one second left on the shot clock. Um, Richard Sherman. Yeah. I mean, 
Who likes that guy? I don't. And I don't some know of his any, teammates. I don't know any, not 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 really. Only when he's new. After you've been around him for a while, no. Sours. He's okay. a, he's a douchebag. Right. Um and then the last one it just kind of popped in my head when you were talking about the Trace McSorley thing and he's not full-fledged villain but he's getting there. Baker Mayfield. I mean, just yeah. shut the fuck up, man. Just shut up. <laughs> Like, if you're lucky you were a rookie last year, because if you were a rookie this year, you wouldn't even probably be a top five offensive player in your class. That's how bad you were this year. <laughs> That's so sad. Just shut up and go away, you I idiot. like it. Okay. That is uh, that is the top five. The, obviously, your list is, is far superior. And, again, I agree with most of those, and I probably could have brought them up. But, again, it comes down to me just not I, – I don't have enough. I had to, I had to stop. I bet. I bet. <laughs> I had to stop, man. I bet. I'm like Pujols. Tiger, Russell Wilson, Ooh, Bull Ryan. Oh, it could have just kept going and yeah. going and going, but we only got an hour. <laughs> We've already gone over <laughs> oh, over budget on that hour. Yeah, so it's, you know, I like the return of the top five. All the all, all the negative feelings as we as we uh, head into the Christmas holiday. For, Get them all out for now. our villainy. Yes. Get them all we, out we now, will so they, purge the badness. Then you won't scream at your kids when you're driving to Minnesota. Oh or, yes, I will. Or yell at your wife when the Vikings are trouncing yes, the pack. I will and... do that as well. No, I'll probably <laughs> just get up and leave the room. I'm gonna go watch a movie on Netflix. Tell me how the game winds up. So, uh, yeah, you're you're gonna pull solo duty next yep, Monday. I'll probably do a little bit of something on Monday and right. uh, just to we'll just to keep things going. And all right, yeah. well, um, I'm tr- I'll talk to you a couple of times this week because we got a couple of games. But uh, for those that stick with the podcast that I won't uh, get a chance to talk to, have a Merry Christmas, and uh, I will talk to you right before the new year. Dan will be back uh, next week, and we are on the radio yep. uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, night, and Friday, Friday night. night. We'll, we hope we're hoping, depending on well, yeah, because it's Thursday, and and you can leave as early as you want. We could be in a food coma up in Middleton. Yeah, and I'm going to be missing my Bucks game against the Lakers that night, so I'm going to be DVRing it, so nobody tweet me the score. Okay, that is the intentional foul for this week. Again, thank you for listening, downloading. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Tell your friends. My name is Josh. I'm Dan. Have a good evening, and we will talk to you next time. Go Bucks.